Welcome to the Prog Talks by the Prog Space. Welcome to the Prog Talks, an interview series by the Prog Space where we will be talking to musicians in all corners of the progressive music scene. Welcome to the Prog Talks with Uncle Prog once again. And today I'm excited because I have with me uh, keyboardists, David Van Pelt from the Australian band Acolyte. How are you doing, David? Fantastic, Rona. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good here. And uh, I'm excited to have you on because of course you guys are just when we re- when we are recording this it's the day before your debut album entropy releases right so are you yeah, excited um, uh very yeah absolutely it's um it's actually not our debut album we had one album before um but this is kind of like for us of the current lineup it's like our cementing album, if you know what I mean. Like, what yeah. do they call it? I think America calls it like sophomore album or, <laughs> yeah, or they something. Do. They do. Yeah. yeah. All of that. But well, yeah, reason- we're really excited. Well, the reason I said that is because, of course, there is an earlier uh, release uh, from 2016, Shades of Black, but I saw that was uh, titled, like, there was mentioned as an EP. So. Yeah. In that in that yeah. regard, this is your uh, debut full length, at least entropy is going to be. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. absolutely, so, and it's so great to get it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm lucky enough to have listened to it, and I, I have to say, people can you expect something very good. So it's a great album, right. and I'm and also you know people have had the chance to listen to a few of the singles because so far you've released. Entropy, clarity, and then resentment just a few days ago. Or how has the reception yeah. been to these uh, singles and the videos? And what can you tell us about these these early teasers for the album? Yeah, it's um it's been fantastic. We honestly didn't know what to expect because uh, entropy, for example, that's almost eleven minutes long. So yeah. <laughs> you know we're like. How are people are people going to watch the first thirty seconds? Are they going to watch the whole thing? And we're just so pleased to get so many people from not just here in Melbourne and Australia generally, but all over the world who tuned in and said, "Hey, I really like this sound. This sounds really different." Yeah, um, which was which was great because we ourselves couldn't put us into a specific category. You know, like if someone says, "Oh, you know, you sound a mi- like a mixture of things or a blend," I'd get that. But if someone says, "Oh, you're just this category," yeah, it doesn't really sum us up. So we sort of went in going, "Who? What's our market in regards to? You know, will heavy people like it? Will more prog people like it?" And it seems like a, a broad audience has has really enjoyed what's yeah. come so far, which is great, really great. That's also what I'm getting. You know, that you are. Uh you know, interesting to both people who are more like traditional prog rock fans, but also people yeah. who enjoy, you know, the more progressive or maybe symphonic side of metal yeah. are enjoying your music. Yeah. So, you know, uh, asking them the dreaded question, you know, because not everyone who watches this might know the band. How would you describe yeah. the music of, of uh, Acolyte? 
that's that's a tough question. It's, it's, so it's a horrible early in the interview, it's, and he's it's just hor- putting it on me. <laughs> it's a horrible question, but you know, it, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, no, but it's a it's a great question. It's um, I've often said to people if Stephen Wilson had um, a relationship with Nightwish, who then had a relationship with Rainbow and Deep Purple, yeah. who then had a relationship with Europe, yeah. <laughs> uh, and you put it all in a blend, then you'd kind of get our sound. It, it's basically, um, it's definitely progressive rock, but there's elements of metal in there. There's elements of um, a lot of melody. So uh, there's there's elements of uh, quite sort of haunting, ethereal parts mm. and then some heavy metal parts as well. Um, so it really is, I, I would say, you know, the umbrella progressive rock, um, but with those added elements, a little bit heavier, a bit mellower in parts, all sort of blended in. But, yeah, all those bands, sort of everyone's influences, well, not everyone's, but um, different people in the band have got different influences and it's just of merged to this. Yeah, I I think that I like that description and I do like the inclusion of, you know, more like, you know, catchy rock music like Europe, because there is a catchiness and a a lot of melody to your music. And uh, also, I have to say, of course, there are some symphonic elements, but uh, Mm -hmm. as you mentioned, when you mention a band like Nightwish, but at the same time, you know, uh, I feel like it's very easy for bands which have like symphonic elements and uh, a female vocalist to be you know lumped in with a certain style of symphonic metal bands and you guys really aren't that style of music at all in my opinion you know you Mm. are uh, more of a like you said steven wilson type atmospheric uh progressive rock but with a lot (laughs) of um with a lot of uh, elements from all kind of diverse genres. So, uh, yeah, I think that no, that, that sums it up nicely. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> it's, it, well, you, you nailed it on the head too, because um, it was interesting before I joined Acolyte, I played in another, it was a melodic metal band, yeah. female fronted metal band here in Melbourne. And we were doing a tour supporting Stradivarius. Um, you know, the Finnish heavy metal stars. Yeah, metal. Yeah. And I just remember sitting there going, as much as I loved the previous band, I'm like, I'm playing in another heavy metal female fronted band. And it was always, you know, the whole Nightwish camp. And then when I met um, Acolyte and heard it, I'm like, well, this is this is different. And I was always yeah. searching for something different, and yeah. that's why I think all of us struggle to to explain exactly what it is because we've all wanted something different. And I think through our joint influences, we've been able to achieve that. I find that interesting, also, because what you're saying about you know, I I think there are many symphonic metal bands, female fronted, that are very good and very interesting. But at the same time, mm. it's a genre just like certain other genres in metal that is quite you know restrictive. There's sort of you 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 do a certain thing, you sound a certain type of way uh, yeah. in this genre of music, you know. But what with yeah. a band like Acolyte, it's much more open. I think probably yeah. you guys also, when writing your music, you have uh, you don't have to be in the confines of let, let's say symphonic metal or 
progressive rock or you know you are free to do a lot more so so i think that's uh, that's very interesting what you say about you know uh hooking up with the acolytes guys and then yeah. finding somewhere where you have a bit more space for your yeah something outside yeah. of that genre yeah yeah you know you mentioned the, you mentioned the ep i want to uh, ask a little bit about that uh, in 2016 oh. you released uh, or the band released shades of black and it's been five years then since you know uh, yeah. before entropy came out and like you mentioned yeah. there was a few other members in the band uh, at that point uh, you know uh, the from what i could figure out the keyboardist so you are new the drummer the guitarist which was a big part of the lineup of the original you know lineup of the band so what changed between 2016 and now and how did you enter the band and when did you enter the band yeah um it was they the, the band I was speaking to you about before that I played with um, before Acolytes, we were um, doing a farewell tour because we were doing um, a European, our first European tour, and Acolyte supported us. And it was at a place called the Bendigo, what well, was in Bendigo, and it was this three-storey place and it was this really cool venue. And I heard Acolyte go on. And I was just captivated by it because Morgan's voice does not sound like anyone else. No, I agree. Um, it's just massive, like massive sounding. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. And she had these like really cool hypnotic moves on stage. And, and I, I sat there and I was like, this is different. Like this is actually something that's not trying to be anything. Yeah. Um, which really got me you know my heartstrings because I was like you want to, you, if people are trying too hard to be a certain thing you kind of end up replicating that certain thing and yeah. that's great if that's what you wanted but to me you, you want to be creative and you want to have your own sounds and um that that's a hard thing to find but I could already see that they were they're on their way with that and when I um finished the European tour with the other band I came back and I was just tired it was a three and a half month tour and I was playing the same melodic metal stuff and I loved that genre and I still do but I wanted something different and I've always loved vintage keyboards like super vintage old school sound stuff and I just heard that in their music yeah and um you know Morgan's Morgan's very clever so she won't come out and say do you want to join the band? She'll <laughs> suss you out a little bit first. And, you know, she's you know, coming around. Yeah, mm. coming around a little bit more. Do you want to hang out? Yeah, sure. Testing what's going on. <laughs> and it was interesting because I didn't want to say straight up either, like, yeah, I want to join this because yeah. I was still in the other band at the time. But we were both wanting the same thing but didn't want to say it. I see. <laughs> um, so that would have been about, uh, I reckon, 2000 and probably 2016, so right as their first album came out. So I didn't play on the first album, um, but they were doing their film clips. I was in, I think, their last film clip. Mm-hmm. And the drummer, the current drummer, Chris, who's just phenomenal, he um he had been in the band for a little bit as well, not mm-hmm. too long before I joined. And then we did lots of touring everywhere around. I, I think see. we did four or five Australian tours. And 
Australia's a big country, so it it's is. not like when you do a European tour, you know, you can you wake up in another place after two hours <laughs> sometimes of driving. You know, it's it's a big place. So we did, I think it was five Australian tours and supported some fantastic Australian artists as well as headlining our own shows, which was amazing. And then yeah, we we said let's let's create an album that brings in everyone's strengths and not try to be something. Let's just do it the way we want to do it and not appease this group or that group or not appease any, you know, not even thought of record labels. It was more like let's create something that's truly who we are at this point in yeah. time and then let's see how it goes. And that's pretty much how it worked. And we all mm. brought in our influences and, yeah, just smashed it out really, really. Well, not, that- I, won't, I wouldn't quickly do it, yeah. Well, that segues quite nicely into the next thing I wanted to ask about, because I, I wanted to ask a little bit about the writing process for Entropy and yeah. and how you guys work together as a band when you write music. You know, who does the, who writes the music, who writes the lyrics? Yeah. Do you guys write together or do you sit separately? And then, you know, how does this process work? And also when... It seems you started writing for uh, Entropy quite quickly then after the EP was done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, such a good question because each band does it differently. Yeah. And we are still finding the the optimal way of doing it. So um, Jason, the bass player, he really likes to write organically. So he, he wants to get into a room and we all write together. And that works for me too. I definitely like that. Um, I tend to write stuff at home on the keys and then we'll bring in more melodic sort of element things. Um, Chris, the drummer, is really great at arranging. So that's actually what he does. Like he's done a master of music and a master's of music and he's like this ambidextrous drummer that, you know, sometimes he'll play left, sometimes he'll play right just for fun. Why? I don't know, but he loves it. So, yeah. <laughs> and I think, I think it's great because it's different. It is. Um, so he'll, you know, he'll arrange some of the stuff. Um, Morgan is great at coming up with the, not just the melodies, but her ideas. She's, she's very visual. So she's great at sort of sensing what the music's doing and then applying a theme to it. Yeah. after hearing it, which I think is really powerful because sometimes if a singer comes in with the lyrics, sometimes that can, I don't want to say dictate, but it can point you in a specific direction, which yeah, sometimes it, can it, be good. Yeah, it colors the, gives a color to the music, right? Spot on. So this time we didn't have any lyrics, so it was it was all about the music first, mm. and, and that was great. So, yeah, everyone had their, their certain way, and even with some demos that we did almost whole songs that we did ourselves, they were picked apart and put through like the acolyte filter. I see, you know? I see, yeah. And like take some of my like melodic riff parts or or something because for me it always has to be a strong melody. There has to be a melody. I, I, yeah. I, I can't, you know, I, I love melody and it's like so, you know, they might take a part of that and then Jace will put down like a heavy bass riff that he's had for something and then Chris will do some drum and then it, it sort of comes together like Mm. that you know what I mean so very rarely is it like here's a song and this is how it's going to start (laughs) in fact it's never like that it's literally here's a bunch of ideas let's put it together and and see how we go which is I loved it I actually 
was invigorated by that process. And if you give and take, it's great. You know, sometimes it's hard if you're like, no, it has to sound like this. Um, I've, it learned, you, you learn to be open to, to other people's expression and be like, actually, yeah, that's, yeah. let's try it that way. So it's, yeah, yeah. I, I, f- I find this creative process of how bands, different bands work with their music is, is very interesting to me. And, and I, mm-hmm. I, I always have to ask, you know, because there are so, like you mentioned initially, there are so many w- different ways of doing it. So yeah. are you the kind of, you know, songwriter that writes like lots of material and then, you know, throws out a lot and then keeps what you like? Or are you the guy who writes something and then you sort of bend it and shape it into what you want it to be? Yeah, exactly. And that's that's the you know, that's the million-dollar question where, you know, some people can be both, some people can be for one. Personally, yeah. for me, like, I just get an idea. I get an idea and then I'll record it and sometimes those ideas can turn into full songs. Like, I've got one at the moment that's like this 15-minute thing that's in four mm. parts and and sometimes you get that. Other times I'll be like, here's a strong introduction. I don't know, for me, like, keyboards are really good for setting introductions, do you know what I mean, and well, creating course, that yeah. sort of feeling. And um, I'll have an introduction and then I'll be like, I've got no idea what I want to do next year. And we put it, it's how we work. It, it's it's great. And I'm sure, you know, so many bands do this too. So it's nothing new, but we'll, we'll put it in, um, you know, we've all got our separate recording systems and then we'll put it into Dropbox yeah. and it'll be like, you know, Dave's riff one, Jason's riff two. Exactly. And then, yeah, everyone listens to it and goes, hey, man, this part could work here this part could work in this track here, you know, let's bring it in and, and pretty much smash it out. So I think, and I guess also, you know, I'm I'm guessing when you get that things in the Dropbox like that, and suddenly there is something there from another band member that really hits you yeah. and makes you excited. Right. And, yeah. and, and yeah. then you, you guys play off each other like that. Spot on. Absolutely. And it's, it's great because sometimes someone's piece is the piece of the jigsaw puzzle that you're like, Oh, you know, that's exactly what it needed. Like, um, Jason, for example, uh, one of the songs on the album called idiosyncrasy, which was an idea. The the bulk of it was an idea. I had this like middle Eastern sort of Phrygian sounding thing. And I think I watched like The Mummy or, you know, one of those shows that sort of gets you in that Middle Eastern vibe. Another another of those long songs on the album. Yeah, exactly. Super Mm. long. And I had these ideas and I sent it to the guys. And when I listened to the demo, it's literally like um, early Europe stuff, you know, very, um, my stuff tends to be a little bit on the lighter side, not as heavy because when, when I'm using keyboards, it's, it's hard for me to go, yeah, so guitar, really heavy guitar will go here. <laughs> of course, yeah. um, but Jason was like, he listened to it and he came up with, um, after the crazy part in the middle that sort of goes off on this like sort of chanty part, like Middle yep. Eastern vibe, and it goes into this dun, 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 really heavy riff, and, and he yeah. brought that to the table, and that totally changed the song because it allowed me to go, well, if we kept it my way, it would have been probably too too soft. And that sort of stuff is what you need when someone's got, I've got this idea, I'm going to plug that in here, and then you just go... Magic. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what about the recording okay. process uh, for Entropy? Uh, how how was it recorded, and were there like issues because of the pandemic to get it get it done? 
No, because the funny thing was it was actually recorded in 2018. Oh, I see. So it was um it was it was a crazy time because we just finished doing a lot of we basically toured the Shades of Black first album EP for a year and a half, yeah. maybe even two years, um, which was great. But we all wanted something new and we had a lot of the songs ready to go. And 2018, we made a choice. We said, all right, let's let's do this proper professionally. Like let's not do just parts at home and then hope Except, for the best. Let's actually yeah. go into a recording studio and, and lay everything down with like a proper Neve desk and, and all of that sort of stuff. We, we were very clear that we wanted a punchy but vintage sounds um and we didn't want it to be like if you listen to our album compared to a lot of other albums it's not as loud because we didn't want to be that part of the war of let's have all the dynamics like this you know that yeah. can compress everything so much we wanted to have like yeah there's higher parts and there's lower parts so we're very clear about that so in 2018 we went to this fantastic recording studio in Melbourne called Sing Sing, um, and they're just brilliant there. They had all this amazing gear. I brought in ridiculous amounts of my own gear. Like I've got my Hammond C3 organ is still at the studio. Oh. <laughs> it's literally, and you know, it's 2021 now. It's been there for that long, and we set up this deal where I'm like, well, I'm happy for other bands to use it, but if I yeah. want to come in and borrow something, and it's like, yeah, sure, no worries. So I'm like, I moved house. I was like, man, like this thing weighs 150 kilograms or something. So yeah, I brought in all of that gear and they had a lot of gear there too. And then we just did it um, pretty much. I wouldn't say super organically. It wasn't like the Beatles where everyone goes into one room and, and does it, but you know, drums went in and most of us went in there and, and watched that. And then bass came in um, then guitars and then keyboards came in and then um, morgues came in at the end. So we're all there during the process. We couldn't, you know, and all of, all of us because we worked too, couldn't, you know, be there 100% of the yeah, time. Yeah, exactly, but, yeah. But it was great. It was um, a very really enjoyable, stressful experience. Like anyone who's done like a, a recording session in a recording, you know, proper recording studio and, and you know how much you're paying and, you know, <laughs> yeah. and you're looking at your time going, all exactly. right, well, I'm up tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, let's move this along, right? And, let's and, move this yeah. along. But everyone was um, was super organised, mm. which is which is great because we were all, um, we, we knew that it was going to be a big job and we knew what we had in our heads of how we wanted it to sound. We knew that it wasn't going to be, something that you just go in one day and go, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. Then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was going to take a bit of time. So it was, it was thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable. Um, yeah. I, if I could spend more time in a, in a studio, I, I would adore it. I, I love it. Like I, I would live in one. I just love the vibe. I love it. I love all the equipment, watching other artists, listening to the music and it's, it's heaven, heaven. Well, so the album then was was finished in 2018, you said. So, uh, so yeah, so it was recorded to 2018, and yeah. I, um, I went overseas uh, to I played keys in a, a Finnish band um, for a tour with a band called One Desire, which are a melodic band yeah. uh, in Finland, and they're really really cool guys. And I, it was interesting because I left. It was like late 2018, and then. Um, 
I came back and I had to put, I think it was like oh, maybe early 2019. And they said, like, oh, we do small piano parts. And yeah. I was like, yep, yeah, sure. So I think it, it all up, I, I'm pretty sure we wrapped up maybe by really super early 2019, like maybe February or March with mm. the hope that, 2019 was going to be the year we all put it together. We all rehearsed like crazy. Yeah. And then, you know, 2020 was going to be the year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've heard that from several bands that they had plans. Uh, things were planned for recording or done recording. And then, you know, 2020 yeah. hit and, and, and things got, you know, pushed forward or, you know, had to be reassessed yeah. how they were going to do things. This and yeah. 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 I and wanna... it was hard. It, it got, oh, no, I was just going to say, it got, it got hard because it got put back a little bit because Paul Morgan got quite sick. Oh, really? Um, during the process, like, right, really sick. And that actually worked, I don't want to say beautifully because she went through a hell of a time, but that worked amazingly in that her experience of what she went through resulted in the powerful lyrics that she yeah. wrote and also the themes to the songs. So it's interesting when I think about it that you never would want a really good friend to go through something like that, but because she did, it added, the the lyrics had the extra power to the already Ex so exactly. powerful songs. And that's something I, yeah. you know, I, I, that's actually part of my next question, because of course I know that Morgan Leigh Brown, which is your fantastic vocalist, is also the lyricist mm -hmm. and wrote most of the lyrics for this album, if not all the lyrics yeah. from what I yeah. know. But, uh, and I've read that the album deals with the stages of loss or at least the early stages of loss. So can you tell us a little bit about the theme or the lyrical content of the album? Yeah, absolutely. So. I'm sure she won't mind me saying this because she's actually just put an article out about it. So Morgs was got chronic fatigue um, and got it really, really badly, but mm. we didn't know. And she didn't want to sort of tell us because she didn't want to freak us out that, um, you know, like, oh, I'm not feeling so great and mm. we're in the middle of recording. <laughs> and we knew something was up. Yeah. But we didn't know what it was. And, and in, in all honesty, she didn't know what it was. Um, either at the time because with chronic fatigue it's one of those things where you know yeah. they just try and iron out everything that it's not it's very um, hard to diagnose uh, it can be very hard to diagnose yeah yeah absolutely so she went through absolute hell and we were all kind of like what's going on yeah you know how's, how's this going to work and what that did was it, it caused her to sort of really look inwards and mm. and tell from her heart, like it was literally, you know, pouring out of her how the process affected her and how the feelings of um, not wanting to show that something was wrong and wanting to tell people but not being able to tell people and feeling that sense of what's wrong with me, like exactly. I'm not who I am, you know, all of that and that sense of loss of self of, you know, medical experts can't tell me what's wrong and, mm. you know, I, I'm not who I am anymore. And all of that was just put into lyrics that, you know, and I'm not saying this because I'm in the band, but when when I read them, like, it's so beautifully sculpted that it's almost as if if you could cut and paste her physical process of what she went through yeah. and the mental process of what she went through and then 
put it onto paper. That's exactly what it was. I feel like it's um, very noticeable in her voice as well because there's a lot of emotion yeah. coming through on the album. You oh, you yeah. hear like, you know, there's there's some there's a feeling of desperation, you know, and in some mm. of the songs and yeah. So, so it's yeah. quite noticeable that, that this is something that uh, meant a lot to her uh, and that she wanted totally to, right. to put, put out through your music. So yeah. Um, and, uh, and so I think for anyone who gets into the album, you know, you, you looking into the lyrics is, it's a big part of, of uh, entropy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it it's it's so strange how things work out, you know, and I find that you can if someone if someone gets sick and it's like doing recording, it's so easy for you to go, Oh, you know, why did this have to happen? And yeah, blah, 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 blah. But as I said before, it it was horrible, horrible, horrible experience. And she's such an amazing, strong trooper. Like she's an incredibly strong human being and just pushed through it. But as I said, like if she didn't go through that, I'm mm. not sure how, you know, what what the lyrics would have been about. Like exactly. I'm sure they would have been fantastic because she's yeah. great at lyrics. But, you know, this and her performance, like yeah. you said, you're spot on. It's, it's just raw. It was like, That's you know, like, beautifully yeah. captured I was in the, like, I, I watched, like, I was there for a few of the songs and it was just like, you know, she gave it her all, like, mm. she'd walk out of the vocal booth and almost collapse. Mm. It was, you know, it was amazing, absolutely amazing. Well, amazing it's noticeable on the album that, that this is, this is very, you know, that this meant a lot to her and you can hear the emotion coming through the vocals and, you know, adding an extra element to the music. So, you know, yeah. an another reason I think for people to, to listen to your, your stuff there. If you are enjoying this interview, please head over to theprogspace.com for more reviews, articles, pictures and interviews all about progressive music. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. theprogspace.com I want to move on a little bit to you and your musical background. Um, and, uh, and you know, uh, I want to ask you, you know, when did you start playing the keyboards and the piano? And what what's the first music you remember falling in love with? <laughs> That's such a great question. Um, it, it, people will laugh, actually, because the first I got when I was in grade three, so I was like six or seven, um, or eight, I don't know, I got in trouble and I got kept in at lunchtime. And instead of having the school bell, like ding, 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 they had uh, music playing instead. You know, ah, which yeah, yeah. It's great. And I remember the teacher told me off and she said, all right, you have to stay in this room, da da da, da. And then she just left the room and teachers can't do that these days. But back in the <laughs> 80s, you know, it was all right. Yeah, yeah. And of all songs, the, the intro to the final countdown by Europe came on. Ah. And I'd never heard, I didn't know what a synthesizer was. I didn't know what a keyboard was. I couldn't play a note. Um, and I got goosebumps when I heard that. Mm. Like it, it, it was like a 
I think people who love music, if you get the goosebumps, then you know something something's going on. Like, I agree. I'm, I'm not a religious person, but something is telling you that this is an important moment in your life. And literally, and I'm not joking you here, I can't explain this, but I, I went home that night and had it in my head and I couldn't tell you what a note was on the keyboard. I had no idea. And I literally played it note for note and was like, all of a sudden I looked at a piano and went, this makes sense. Like, ah. all right, I, I need someone now to come in and tell me how it makes sense. So I got this awesome young piano teacher who came in and he was not about reading music, but he was like, all right, so, you know, these are sharps, these are flats and mm. da, 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 da. And, um, yeah, from then I was able just to listen to things and, not necessarily get it note for note, but be able to play it exactly, pretty well. Yeah. So it was almost almost like the, the gene was there that the final <laughs> countdown of your whole songs opened yeah, it and, for and me. Looked and it, yeah. Never ever forget that moment. You know, we're talking what was it nineteen when I heard it the first time it was like nineteen eighty eight, I think it was. And yeah, you know, you're you're six or seven, you're in a classroom, but I will never forget that moment. And yeah, from from there it just ended up being like, okay, played piano. And then heard a keyboard and was like, oh, what's that? And mm. then learnt, all right, there's all different types of keyboards, okay. And then, yeah, played in an 80s cover band, of all things, and 80s, like 80s rock cover bands and all of the old, uh, that, a lot of the old 80s bands used analogue keyboards as they opposed did, yeah. to digital. And that's when the virus just kicked in. I'm like, oh, well, I want analog stuff because it yeah. sounds so much better, you know. And, yeah, from then, you know, I obviously got into Europe and I looked at who their influences were, which was, you know, a lot of UFO, Deep Purple, Rainbow. Yes. So then I got into those influences. And then naturally, you know, Mellotrons, Fender mm-hmm. Rhodes, Hammond C3, you know, all, all of that sort of stuff sort of came came forward and at the time I was I was playing in a you know, melodic metal band and I couldn't it didn't suit the music the, the instruments that I loved didn't no. suit that of course yeah um, you know and then Acolyte came along and I just heard it and went I think I could add some yeah here's, vintage there's stuff room, here. room for so, it here yeah yeah there's room there's room for it here yeah. so yeah that, that that was pretty much how it worked and I've been very fortunate enough to to be able to do a lot of tours with other bands overseas and make friends with other people at festivals and um, then you know people say oh would you be able to play on this or play on that and <laughs> it's it's an honor and a privilege to to do so. Um, because it's always a challenge, you know, it's never, it's never easy. Touring is never easy at all. And I've, I've had a fantastic, fantastic ride and I'm really looking forward to repeating it with Acolyte because we've never done any touring overseas. We've, we've always done, we've hit Australia really hard and I'm always like coming back going, yeah, you guys going to love it. <laughs> da, 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 da. So I'm hoping, you know, when things yeah. sort of get a little bit better, that, that, that will that, hopefully that will... be, that will be in the cards for, for, for the band. Yeah. 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 Well, you that's, know, that's a life. 
You said, uh, you know, Europe then unlocked those early yeah. things, but but uh, Acolyte is uh, sort of a progressive band, I would say. Yeah. And yeah. so I wanted yeah. to ask more, more, you know, about what about progressive, pro- progressive music and progressive rock and progressive yeah. metal? How did uh, you discover that? Yeah. And, and are there any, you know, I'm sure there are, but like keyboardists within that genre that informed oh, you yeah. or, or maybe inspired you and your style of playing? Absolutely. So when when I, I got into like melodic stuff, um, one of the first bands I heard was Stradivarius, mm. and um, I was very very fortunate enough to do a tour supporting them in 2015, and it was a huge tour. It was three three and a bit months, like 30, 30 something shows in twenty six countries. It was just crazy. It was fantastic, and that got me into a lot of um, more the progressive side of metal because Jens Johansson, who is just off the charts, um, just unbelievable. Like watching him every night and I had the the honour of, you know, having a drinking competition with him. Don't do that. No, I think probably (laughs) a bad idea. Don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) I've never felt more sick in my life. But, Mm. you know, watching his technique and he, he discussed to me like his love of different time signatures and everything and I was like, okay, and then, I got into, because my love of the vintage stuff, got into like Rick Wakeman and and he used a lot of strange time signatures with vintage yes. keys and that got me into yes, like, you know, super early yes stuff. Um, then from that I got into things like old school, even Weather Report, which, Ooh. you know, people go, is that like a progressive band? That's like a jazz band. I'm like, no, man, you've got to listen yeah. to what they're doing. I agree. Um, Savinul is fantastic, yeah. Oh, he, he is one of you know one of my many keyboard heroes. Like he, yeah. what he can do is, I, I did an article for Prog Magazine when they they asked like, what are my type one five top prog rock solos? And I, I oh, put yeah. um, Black Market by Weather Report in there, and people were like, oh, is that really a solo? And I'm like, you think that it sounds easy, but what they don't realize is he had an ARP twenty six hundred, which is this lovely machine here, and he inverted the voltage, which meant that he was actually playing the solos backwards. Wow. I mean, who and who does why, that? <laughs> I don't know, but it, I watched it live. Like yeah. I wasn't there. I, was, I wasn't even born, but I, I watched on a video and I'm like, hang on, the higher notes are lower on the keyboard. Yeah. What the hell's going on? And, and yeah, he's like, yeah, I wanted to, you know, the way he used to speak, like, yeah, man, I just want to make a challenge for the brain. It's like insane. Yeah. And the end and result, that, result is fantastic, of course. Uh, uh, it, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. You know, and then from there, you know, Chick Corea and, and um, Return to Return Forever. Return to Forever, of course, those, yeah. You know, amazing, amazing mm. bands, which just I adore. And and then through a lot of the Acolyte crew, they then got me on into other bands like Stephen Wilson. And um, I was always aware of Dream Theater because naturally everyone goes, oh, you know, Dream Theater, you must love Dream Theater. Yeah. I, I do, but and, uh, Jordan Rudis is, I think, one of the, the greatest musical teachers especially keyboard teachers you could hope for his stuff is amazing but it's interesting as a player i i I like more live performances and his Mm. technicality is so brilliant but for me i I like a bit more rock out with it you know i mean and i I don't want to have a music chart in front of me i you know just go at it hardcore so they never captured me as much as people sort of think but i i have nothing but respect for them because their their musicianship is absolutely that's fantastic yeah yeah just next next level you know you you mentioning those vintage keyboards and all your vintage equipment then you know um 
I was I wanted to ask, you know, you're a enthusiast, a collector of this uh, stuff. So would you and I see you have some nice things behind you. So would you tell us a little <laughs> bit about what you have and uh, how you use it used it on the album? Yeah, absolutely. So I can actually I'm, I'm watching. Wow. Yeah. So this is this is um, this one here is a Minimoog Model D, which um, basically has got a filter in it that really hasn't been beaten. It's it's just amazing, and it's um, it is pretty much all over entropy because the high frequency content of it, it just cuts. So there's a, there's a huge um, synth solo at the end of acceptance, which is the last track. And it goes for like two and a bit minutes, which is so lovely as a synth player to be able to be given that. So I'm like, Ooh. and that I, I use that pretty much over absolutely everything. Cause it just, it sounds so, uh, everyone says fat, but it just sounds so organic. That yeah, it's a beautiful, warm it, sound, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know how it can be that it's just like transistors and resistors and all of that <laughs> gear. I, I don't get it because it just sounds alive. Yeah. Um, so it's it's great, and I use that live a lot. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to keep using it live because I just got a new toy the other day. <laughs> so we'll we'll have to see but i i i'm never getting rid of it because it's absolutely absolutely gorgeous so pretty much um actually in fact all of the solos were done using that which is brilliant and i just wow <laughs> just move around you've got my lovely go. jaws three poster which is a <laughs> terrible movie that somehow i just got the poster um this one here is what's called an art odyssey yeah and i've finally got a, my art t-shirt on um <laughs> I love this thing. Like I absolutely, it's probably in all honesty, besides my new one, my favorite, just mm. because it it can do so many things. Whereas like the mini mode is just unbelievable. It always sounds like a mini mode. You can't hide the mode sounds. Whereas no, no, no. Arp, you know, ARP stuff, it, it's not as um ballsy as a mode, but you can make it sing or scream simply by pushing the faders like it's exactly it's so easy and i, I can visualize it and know exactly what the sound is because i hate presets like i don't like pressing a button and then being like yeah okay there's the sound and actually i'm just selling a synth now that i used um for some shows because they had presets and i'm like it didn't feel right i'm no, like no I this see. is not what i'm about <laughs> yeah, no. so that that was used um a lot on entropy for a lot of um i think it did some bass sounds, some leads, um, but mostly really weird special effects. Yeah, there's one there's one track on Entropy that's um, basically all crazy special effects, like all synth stuff. That man, if you had two hours, this it, it, <laughs> what we what I did to create that was just insane. We just it was just through experimentation. I see. We, we'd finished the, the keys early, and we we're like. The producer said, "You know, let's we've got some time." And I'm like, yeah, cool, let's, this let's idea. play around a bit." Yeah, <laughs> let's play around for a bit. Mm. Um, and yeah, underneath that is what's called uh, Profit Rev Two, which is created mm -hmm. by a fantastic brand called Sequential, and they actually released the Profit Five in 1978, which was the first programmable. Pro I can't say the word programmable polyphonic synth. Mm -hmm. um, sound killer, eighteen voices, pure analog. You play, you know. Uh, say eight notes and it's just 
So we're thinking album three with that one. <laughs> I see. <laughs> and then over here, I just picked this up uh, the other day. So what we've got here is what's called an ARC 2600. Mm-hmm. And this is pretty much going to be as crazy as it sounds, my live lead synth. Um, it's massive. It's yeah. It's, you know, you, you've got patch cables and, and everything, but it's kind of like the Odyssey on the steroids. And I love the ARP sound. And these guys sold out. I think Korg reissued 2600s and they sold out before they were even available in stores. Mm. And then the one guy that I go to in Australia who has all of the, the high end gear, he, he contacted me and said, I've got something you might like. And I was like, oh. And I had a feeling what it was. Yeah. And then I'm like, heart, bank balance, heart one. <laughs> <laughs> so it's literally, it's one day old. So I've just been uh, playing. Yeah, playing around non-stop. with it. And, yeah. Yeah. Because it's got a built-in sequencer. and um, But it's the sound. Like it, it all runs through like a vintage spring reverb. Like no, there's no digital thing in it at all. Like you've yeah. got to create everything from scratch, which scares the crap out of a lot of um, a lot of my bandmates because there's a lot of happy accidents that can happen with yeah. analog gear, you know. That's, like something, I, that's, never, that's something I wanted to ask like, about. You know, is there, uh, you know, taking stuff like this on the road you know it might be more fragile it might be it's like you say it's big it's heavy are there of course there must be challenges to using this stuff in a a live setting oh 100 100 so it's almost like you need to know the music inside out because Mm. the biggest challenge is you're actually wrestling with all the gear so like um, you know, to change going from a bass sound to like a lead sound, you've got to change all of the frequency sliders. If you want some resonance to make it scream a little bit, you change that. These yeah. patch cables are going to determine what waveform that I'm using. And naturally, I'm not just going to have saw waves all the time, you know, squares, sine, whatever. So you've got to think ahead, all the time. But also, you've got to got to look at the panel and sort of analyze what the sound's doing. Like, what's the em- what, what are the envelopes set up like? So, how, how's the sound going to travel? Um, you know, what tone color am I using? Where's the filter set? Is it aggressive? Am I doing soft lyrical things? But there's something about that that it makes you connect with the instruments. Of course. You know, and that is, that's, that's real. That's, you know, to me, that's so important. Whereas I had, I'm selling a, a, sub, a Moog subsequent 37, which is a, a fantastic, it's actually like a modern classic. It's fantastic synth. And I made all of the sounds on it for, for live use. But it was like, bang, yeah. next song, bang, I can't do it. I, I, <laughs> I just couldn't do it. I, I, I wish I could. It's easier. Yeah, it's it's you know it's a lot easier. It's it's a lot more dependable. It's a lot more reliable. Costs a lot less. Yeah. Um, but what's that saying? The heart wants what the heart wants. Exactly. (laughs) You know, you know, know, I I sell stuff, so it's like this is how I justify it to my wife. I'm like, well, I did buy this, but I sold something else. So, (laughs) so it's yeah. 
it, it, it evens out. <laughs> well, it's probably not yes, fair, it's yeah. probably not fair of me to ask this question then, because since you're mm-hmm. sitting here next to your new keyboard that you're you know so excited about, and 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 yeah. but I just have to ask then: Is there like a particular yeah. model you would love to own that still eludes you? Something oh. that you'd really love to get your hands on? That's such a such a great question. Um, absolutely. I mean, this 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 one was one I wanted for years and years and years, and just thought never would happen when when Korg sold out of all of them. And the the secondhand market now is selling the old school ones for over twelve and a half grand. And I'm like, yeah, that's no. Um, I, that's I would money. absolutely. Yeah, it's a bucket load of cash. But um, you know, people want to relive when they had one. So you know, hey. I'm all for it. If you if you're gonna as long as it's used, I don't want to go into a museum and it's just like oh, stuck there. Like or just with a collector just putting it in the yeah. Yeah. I, I would love to have um if I was ever able to to actually use one, um a, a, it's what's called a Selena string ensemble. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a beautiful, beautiful sounding instrument that bands like um Pink Floyd's really went to town with um who else jean michel jean michel jar jar yeah uh, yeah massive massive fan. and he's like an eminent and, and something else and he used the selena string ensemble it's just got this i used it actually on entropy um mm-hmm. for the the soft sounds underneath the the keyboards the longer keyboard solo in the single entropy um it's just unmistakable sounds and, it, and it's so it's so simple in its sound, but if you run it through like a small stone phaser, um, it's it's gorgeous. It's just it's magical. That that's something I would love to see if someone ever brought mm. back that. That would be great. And obviously, you've got mellotrons, and I, I'd love to use a real mellotron for recording. I'd never take one out live. No. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> but that sound is just, you know, these Mellotrons all over the whole Entropy album because I love it. <laughs> it reminds me of, you know, a while back I, I um, did an interview with Norwegian band Wobbler and they are very much okay. uh, doing, you know, uh, their their whole sound is about these vintage instruments i'm I'm sure you'd hit it off great with lars which is their keyboard oh. he's also a collector yeah. of old stuff oh. and they told me about this you know in the beginning of their career they wanted to try and you know they said no to a lot of live requests because they couldn't transport their instruments which was of course yeah. hammonds and mellotrons and all this stuff yeah. and they eased up yeah. on that but you know i can totally see how someone like you also would love to be able to bring all oh. of this equipment onto stage and actually perform with it live. Right. But it's just, it's especially traveling overseas. It it's, yeah, yeah you have to find oh, other solutions. Absolutely. absolutely. I mean, I could never transport that overseas. Like exactly. I'll, I'll definitely use it, use it around Australia because it comes in this amazing flight case and, you know, it's protected, which is, which is amazing, but to ship it would cost an arm. I mean, arm and a leg, and, and yeah. it's not like it's going to be, you know, you can't just go to a store now and go, oh, yeah, can, can we hire one of those? I'll probably take <laughs> no. the Odyssey or something like that. And, yeah. Um, I, I keep adding more stuff to the library just to honestly, one, I love it, but two, I love pissing off our guitarist, Brandon, because, <laughs> you know, I, he gets some solos and I get a lot of solos 
and like there's this sort of joking rivalry between us and it's great because you know he'll try and do a solo and I'll try and out solo him <laughs> of and course then you know I'll bring in this which is like this he hasn't he hasn't seen it yet like he's gonna freak <laughs> out I can't wait um and like with this with like three oscillators and and I can drop um the, the octaves by two just by flicking it. he's just hit one note Whoa. yeah exactly and you get that <laughs> you know, yeah yeah, and then you open the filter, and it's like I'm like the frequency spectrum, and he, he can't compete. It's, with it's, that. it's so not like, it's not fair to the guy, really, is it? Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's not really, but you know, it's it's like they say, you've got to go into war with your best weapon. Yeah, so. I think that's uh, I think that's correct. Well, you know, uh, we're coming up on you know towards the end of the interview here, but I want to ask you guys about the future plans now for Acolyte. Uh, yeah. you know the chances you talked about going on the road using your equipment mm. live uh, what plans do you have to take Entropy to the stage now that the pandemic is finally winding down a bit and um, also I've heard some rumors that there are uh, some online live stuff coming up uh, soon what can you tell us about that absolutely so yeah, we've got some uh, a fantastic release coming up. Surely that's just being uh, sort of finalised at the moment, which is a live show that we shot here in Melbourne, and we go through all new tracks from the new album. We don't play the whole album, but um, we play. I'd, I'd say you know the, definitely the vast majority of it. The majority of and it, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and it's um. It's going to be great for people to see how we perform this live because it, it is it is a challenge to perform it live because there's so much to it. But we had a fan, a absolutely fantastic time. It, it was nerve wracking because <laughs> whenever you're doing a live show, there's a key word in that live Ex show. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, it's it's that sort of warts and all. You know, nothing's completely perfect, but it, it all turned out really, really great. So that's going to be coming out, I believe, in a week or so, maybe a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, but I know there'll be definitely be some uh, promotion done about that, which, yeah, I, I really, anyone who's a fan of our music would like to check us out and hasn't had the opportunity to see us live because we haven't toured overseas, um, please definitely check it out. I think you you will enjoy it. It's, um, yeah, I it's agree. A, a great capture of what we can do in, in a live situation with, you know, very minimalist setup. Um, you know, we couldn't, I couldn't bring in 14 keyboards or, or any of that, you know. So yeah, it, it's 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 really good. What I, what I've seen of it so far looks really fantastic. So that'll be coming out shortly. In terms of touring and everything, we want to tour like crazy. We've we've been wanting to do it for a long time. Um, I think things in Australia, COVID wise, are going well. Yeah. Um, in regards to very few, if any, outbreaks, and most of um, the positive cases are in hotel quarantine. Yeah, which is fantastic in that you know. Things are starting to open up a little bit. Um, live music's definitely starting to come back, which is great. That's so great. realistically, I would say we'd be doing some live circuit around Australia first. And then I'm hoping that, that um, you know, this is very selfish of me to say this, but I, I'm really hoping, first of all, that, you know, for obviously in human life, that things get better in Europe. Of um, course. And that, you know, everything starts, you know, vaccinations start to come 
quick and fast so that we can all return to what I think everyone really wants is normality. Um, I agree, yeah. You know, because we we selfishly, like I, I can't wait to get over to Europe to, to say catch up with friends who I haven't seen in two years and um, to go with the band and, and share the music with everyone. Um, but, yeah, all of the the stars have to align for of a lot of that to happen. Yeah. But we're hopeful. You know, we're very hopeful. We're very positive. We've got absolutely outstanding manager um, in Lulu. She's just brilliant. Um, we've got great record label behind us. So, um, yeah, with hope and a bit of luck, I think, yeah, it's – it should go well that's what i'm hoping for too i can't wait to see you guys live on stage here in europe somewhere hopefully that yeah. will happen in not too far in the future that that opportunity will come for you guys and and this will be more possible here as well and and so well i want to thank you so much david for being on the prog talks with me uh, my and- pleasure yeah, and, and for you who are watching this, you should go and follow Acolyte on all their social medias. You find them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And if you haven't listened to Entropy yet, because by the time this is out, the album, of course, has released. And you should definitely go and listen to Entropy, which can be found, I guess, on all typical streaming platforms. Or you could go to Wild Thing Records and buy the thing, uh, which I would say it's absolutely worth it to buy the album so uh, yeah so thank you for watching and listening and if you enjoyed today's interview please like and subscribe it helps us out a lot at the prog space and keep spreading that problem the prog talks produced by the prog space Main host, Rune Belsvik Reynos. Produced by Rune Belsvik Reynos, Vanessa and Matthias Kirsch. All graphics and animations by Vanessa Kirsch. Intro theme by Giuseppe Negri. Outro theme by Zach Munovitz. This was the Prog Talks by the Prog Space. See you in a week.